Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Naz Perez. Naz is a TV producer, host, and podcaster, and got her start on the hit daytime talk show Ellen before going on to produce for Ease Live from the Red Carpet and the popular E! True Hollywood docuseries. Naz also produced five seasons of The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise. Naz's career on camera has seen her as a host for Rotten Tomatoes, Fandango, The Los Angeles Dodgers, and T-Mobile. In addition, she is the founder of a support group for people that are heartbroken called Heartbroken Anonymous. Thank you, Naz, so much for coming on my podcast. Uh, this is actually the first time I've met you over Zoom. Hopefully at some point <laughs> I can meet you in North America when I'm back over there. Uh, but I've been looking up everything you do and I was thinking, wow, this this girl crams a lot into her life. So I'm very excited to <laughs> learn about this. But yeah, thank you again for coming on. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. I know this is like our new normal now. Like we're just meeting people through computer screens, which is so incredible and so anxiety inducing all in the same, all in the same <laughs> sentence. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I feel like you do a bunch of cool stuff too. And I know we briefly talked before you started recording, but I'm equally as excited to like learn and about you as I'm sure you are about me, as you've said. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Well, um, <laughs> so before we go into it, could you just, and you don't have to go into too much detail here, just give like a, a brief background on how you got to where you are now, what, what you've been through and sort of how how you came to do what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such it's such a long-winded story, but the short version is um I majored in broadcast journalism, always sort of wanted to be on camera and and work in sports and entertainment. Um I moved out to LA after college, uh worked at the Ellen DeGeneres show, then from there I worked at E Entertainment um on the True Hollywood Story documentary series and I ended up producing reality um, on The Bachelor. I know Australia has its own Bachelor. So I produced five seasons of The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor in Paradise um, here in the States, which I will say was such an eye-opening, incredible job for me because I basically got to interview people about love and heartbreak for two and a half years. Uh, um, And I am very fascinated by the concept of love. Like I've never had a real relationship. I've had like different relationships that I never had like a solid, we're exclusively together kind of relationship. So um, that job really came naturally to me and I loved it. And I ended up leaving. It was a really hard decision um, because I wanted to be on camera. And I was like, well, that's why I moved to LA. You know, I want to do interviews. I want to cover movies and shows. And so I left The Bachelor three years ago now in 2017 to do that. And so now I'm a correspondent for Rotten Tomatoes and Fandango uh, here in the States, as well as the Los Angeles Dodgers, which, you know, they're playing baseball again now, but there's no fans. (laughs) So there's no need for me. Um, And then I also have my own podcast called I Don't Get It. And I founded a group for people that are heartbroken called Heartbroken Anonymous. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. 
Thank you for sharing. And, and look, there's, um, <laughs> I, I think we're going to have to do about 20 episodes with you to just cover <laughs> no, that's so each area here. Um, no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that to try and embarrass you. I think it's so impressive. And I mean, at your age, you're so young and you've done so much. And I guess from what I can see and the limited knowledge I have of you, it sounds like you are very much a doer rather than just talking about things and you've gone and just, you know, reinvented yourself and just chased this dream. And you, I think you sound like the kind of person that won't take no for an answer and will find a way to get, you know, to do what you want to do, which I think is amazing. And I think it's, it's something oh, that a lot of people will be able to learn from, from this episode, from, you know, hearing uh, about. Well, thank you. I'm going to, because this is a mental health podcast and because it's sort of your wheelhouse, I will say that something that I'm struggling with now is, well, it is amazing, you know, that I can like get a lot of stuff done. I've had to work through a lot of things such as perfectionism disease, which I have. I don't believe people should wear busyness as a badge of honor. You know, I think I, I struggle every day with time affluence and saying no to things. And do I value money over time or do I value time over money? Do I take on to this next project? Mm -hmm. So you know, I just want full transparency. It's like, it's all cool and great, but it's also been a struggle as I'm sure it's been for you. 100%. And, and look, yeah. yeah, we're not, we're, and as we'll, as we'll go into, you know, it's not about really saying that any external thing that we can achieve is the end goal. It, it's more about how can we enjoy the process and, you know, find those daily things. And, and like you, I've really struggled with perfectionism and overthinking oh, wow. and tr putting all of this pressure on myself. And, um, yeah. it, it's exactly what you said. How do you find that balance where, yes, let's try and have these goals, follow our dreams, follow our ambition, but do that while also staying grounded and present. And it's a balancing act. And especially in, you know, the world we live in now where, you know, there's unlimited chances to compare ourselves to other people. It, it, it's very hard not to, and just all right. the things that are out there. It's, it, it, it's so hard to find that balance. Um, I mean, yeah, do you find that balance really tough to maintain? Of course, it's excruciating. I mean, what I do is um, my friend Tommy Sobel started this company called Brick. So if you go to gobricknow.com and it's a movement that encourages people to put their phone down. So once a week, I definitely put my phone down um, and I'm not on social media, so I'm not comparing. And lucky for me, I actually don't care about followers or you know people listening to my message. I have a lot of friends that do. And I learned that early on when I started my support group, Heartbroken Anonymous, actually, which is, a, it's a free support group, kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's for heartbreak. Um, and it's any kind of heartbreak. I define heartbreak as overwhelming distress. But I remember my first meeting that I did went so well. I was like, I have to do this for the rest of my life. And then the second meeting, two people showed up. And I remember telling my therapist, like, I don't know if I could do this. You know, I pay for all, I pay for this with all my own money, like, mm you know, it's not working. People aren't coming. And my therapist like very quickly brought me down to earth. And he was like, well, why are you doing this? Are you doing this because you want everyone to think that you have this like really successful group? Or are you doing this because you really care about creating a safe space for people that feel like they have nowhere to go where they won't feel judged? And I was like, oh, uh, the second one, <laughs> that is how I feel. You are absolutely right. I don't care. So, um, so yeah, just grounding myself and remembering things like that and putting my phone away and just really aligning myself with my meaning and my purpose and allowing myself time to imagine, you know, like nobody has time to imagine anymore like we used to as kids because they're always on their phone 
or on their computer mm. watching something. Absolutely. I mean, how can we be creative and imagine and do all those things when we're not giving ourselves that time out to do it? I mean, that's when we create, when we have that downtime, when, I mean, I know for me, it's like if I'm in the gym or I'm, it, whenever I'm doing uh, doing something where I'm allowing myself just to be immersed in whatever it is and you're not putting your mind into social media, emails, mm-hmm. worrying about what's next, etc. So it's such a good point. And I mean, you brought up Heartbroken Anonymous. Um, that's one of the things I was going to ask you about. So I'm really interested to learn about that. And also the point you made, I think, is so, so relevant and important. Um, I've been caught up in this so many times in the work I've done in mental health where yeah. uh, we're all we're all trying to build a career and it's hard. We, we're taught to be ambitious and try to compare and et cetera. And I found that at times with the work I've done, you think, oh, but, you know, why is it not growing faster? I need it to be a bigger business or this or that. And then, and then I have to do the same thing. Take a step back and think, hang on, why, why am I doing this? Yeah. I'm doing it because I'm trying to just spread a message. And you know what? Um, even if I look at it from a selfish point, it feels really good when I actually see this help people. Yeah. Nothing feels better than that. And I want to do more of that. And then, and when you remind yourself that it's, you realize, you know, that's, it, it sort of strips away a lot of the crap. Um, right. And it's, and it, and if you help one person, that's all that matters, you know, that's the thing. If you help yeah. one, that, that's why we're doing it. And, and not many people get the opportunity to do that. So we should be all trying to find a way we all can find a way to, try and help people and it's not about whether we are the you know biggest or the have the biggest company or we're the you know most famous person or whatever it is it's just about how can we all with the resource available to us and the time we have in in our day just do something to try and make a positive impact if we all take that stance that's how major change in the world happens it's not about any one individual it's about everyone collectively just doing, you know, doing, it's changing the conversation. I love it. It's we, it's not me. I love it. It it really is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As cheesy as it sounds, it's true. It's we, it's not me. But yeah, Heartbroken Anonymous, what sort of propelled you to to do that? And I think it's such a, I I was looking it up before uh, this chat and I just thought this is such a great thing because this is an experience that so many of us go through and it is, I remember... (laughs) When it happened to me, I just, God, it was one of the toughest things I've ever been through. And it is never ending and relentless and you feel so alone in it. Yet the ironic thing is it is such a universal experience that we go through. So I think it's right. just such a beautiful thing that you've done with it. Can you Aww. tell me a bit more about it? Yeah, and how it came yeah. About? I'll tell you the whole story. Get cozy. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. basically... um, I left working on The Bachelor. I call myself a hopeful romantic. I already explained to you that, you know, it was an amazing experience. I tell people it was a dream job, but it wasn't the dream job for me. So when you work on a show like The Bachelor, and I know you told me that you've been on reality shows. I don't know if they travel. You're never really home. So for two and a half years, I didn't really live in my apartment. And so when I came home, I hadn't really met my neighbors. I met her like once or twice getting the mail. Um, and she knocked on my door one day, hysterically crying, saying, Hey, like, I know we don't really know each other. I'm going through something and I really need someone to talk to. I know you like used to work on the bachelor. (laughs) And so I let her in 
And I listened to her story and she had broken up with the guy she lived with next door. They were together almost 10 plus years. Um, so you can imagine, you know, the, the blueprint of your life is just sort of torn up in front of your face and, and the pain that she was feeling felt physical. Like she was like, like breathing and crying. And so I listened to her story. And after she told me her story, she said, I feel so much better t talking to you because I can't talk to my mom or my sister about this. And I was like, why? And she was like, because they're going to tell me to move on or that I'm so much better than him or, you know, that I need to be over it already. And I'm physically not there yet. And I started to think about my neighbor a lot after that happened. And I was like, wow, the concept that we're more willing to tell strangers how we actually feel is a very, like very, very real thing. Like vulnerability is a really difficult thing to accomplish. And ironically, it's a really difficult thing to do with the people that we're close with. And I was like, this is kind of crazy. And so I shortly after started dating someone, which was also, I'm not going to say a dream of mine, but something that I really wanted to do that I wasn't able to do while working on the show because it's just sort of nonstop. And so this was my first situationship, let's call it. You know, I, I dated this person for six months. I was very much in the gray zone. I had a lot of anxiety. I also never feel like it's one person's fault. You know, I was unemployed. I was wanting to be on camera. I think I was relying on this person to sort of fill up my happiness bucket. And long story short, I got blindsided. That whole story is probably a, another podcast, but, um, but I fell into an acute depression and I felt heartbreak for the first time in my life. I was probably a late bloomer when it comes to heartbreak. Cause this was in 2017 and I'm 30 now. So, so it was such a crazy foreign feeling. I couldn't sleep. Uh, I didn't want to eat. I had nightmares. Um, I would wake up crying when he wasn't in the bed next to me. Um, it turned physical. I, I like got like a form of rosacea on my back. I went to a dermatologist for the first time and I was like, why, what is this? And they're like, are you really stressed? Did something happen? I was like, yeah, I just went through a break <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? Like this can turn physical. <laughs> like I have a rash and I felt so helpless, Nick. I was like, what, mm. how, how, no one's prepped me for this. Mm. I, I've interviewed people about this, but I'd never actually felt it. And I remember Googling one day how can I make this feeling go away? And I started to come across all this research that the same part of your brain that lights up when you're going through physical pain is the same part of your brain that lights up when you're going through emotional pain. And I just thought, man, well, that's insane. Because if you're not feeling well, or if you're physically ill, you can technically wake up, go to the doctor, get help right away, go to the hospital. You can get a doctor's note. You can call your job. You could say, hey, I need a week off. According to the doctor, here's my note. But if your dog dies or you're going through a divorce or you lost your or you lost your job or you're in a fight with your mom or in a fight with your friend or you're experiencing racial injustice, anything that causes heartbreak, because again, I define it as overwhelming distress. So the list is endless. There's nowhere to go. There's no hospital. And I was like, this is crazy. How is there nowhere to go? And so that's really how the concept of Heartbroken Anonymous came to be. And like you were saying, selfishly, I was going through a heartbreak. Therapy is very expensive. I was, I was like, this is a lot of money. Like the average person can't pay for this. And so I thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool if we can get a bunch of people that are going through or feeling the same way? Because I, I do want to say I have incredible friends and family that were there and were supportive of me. But even calling them, knowing that a lot of my friends are in happy married relationships, 
it just what it didn't feel the same. It, it felt even more isolating. It felt like they didn't understand what I was going through. And so, yeah, I figured if I could put people, if I could offer a free space once a month and put people together in a room that are all going through the same thing, then that has to in turn make them feel less alone. And that's the whole point is we can't necessarily get rid of heartbreak there. I don't believe that there's a cure to heartbreak. I think it's grieving, you know, and sometimes that stuff's forever, even if it's someone that you're sort of over or, you know, a dog or I don't know, it could be anything. Someone you dated a job you had a long time ago that you really miss. Like it's sort of always going to hurt a little bit, or you're going to remember how much it hurts. So I can't take heartbreak away, but if I can put you around other strangers, um, make you feel social connection, which we all need as humans, remind you that you're not alone through storytelling, then then that to me can make all the difference. And it's crazy, Nick, because there's been multiple studies made. You know, Margaret Clark, I think from Yale did a study. Uh, she had two strangers walk in a room and taste chocolate. And if the two strangers happen to eat it at the same time, they reported that it tasted more delicious. So therefore proving that life is like more enriching just by being in the presence of another person. But what's the issue here? Some people don't have anyone to go to. Some people have people to go to, but they're going to give them advice. At Heartbroken Anonymous, you're not going to get advice. It's just, it's a circle. We go around. You can share if you want. You don't have to share if you don't want to. There's no crosstalk. And so, yeah. And even there was a man named Nick Epley that did another study uh, in the Chicago transit system on trains. So normally when you go on a train or you go on a plane, Nick, you think like, oh, I want to sit by myself. Like, let me find a spot by myself. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to talk to a stranger. I'm going to feel more at peace by myself. But really the people that sat next to a stranger and like made a genuine connection reported feeling happier than the people that were alone. So, so all that stuff together, I know that's like a long winded answer is the reason and the ethos behind heartbroken anonymous. And it, it's so relevant in when it comes to our mental well-being. it's um, there is a direct link with what we feel physically and what we feel mentally like what you're talking about and all of this is not about saying there's any one you know stop solution or quick fix to a lot of it we need more education but also we often tell ourselves why me why am i why do i struggle more than other people why is it so hard for me and again the beautiful thing what you're doing is it's about just connecting with other people and understanding that we're not alone. It's a shared experience and that makes it more manageable. It's not going to take the pain away completely. It's not going to make the process necessarily any faster, but it's going to make it manageable. And we're not educated about this. We're not taught. Uh, we're taught all these other things, but you know, relationships, how to deal with loss, how to deal with uh, mental anguish. It's a pretty big part of life and it's pretty important. <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, two points that you just said. I love what you're doing and it's so important. And when I created this group a couple years ago, I realized society doesn't really care about mental health at all. The fact that you go to the hospital, you know, and, and they'll treat something that you have physically right away. But if you tell them, you know, I'm alone, I want to be around my loved ones, or this is really what's hurting me. There's no, the doctors just kind of sit there and they're like, oh, okay. Like, it's like, it's, exactly. and the fact that we know in anatomy that we register pain, like literally in the same part of the brain, that it's equally as hurtful. It just doesn't make sense to me. And when you said manageable, 
it does make it manageable. But another thing Heartbroken does, which I love, is offer perspective. Um, it's obviously anonymous, so you know I don't share stories. But for this purpose, I'll never forget one meeting. A woman came and shared that she thought her husband was cheating on her, and she had you know a lot of built up anger, angst, and hatred for this other woman that she thought um, was with her husband. And the woman that was sitting right next to her that shared right after her said, I am having an affair with a married man. Um, I feel very weak and I don't want to leave. And I feel so bad for the wife. Obviously it wasn't the same husband, <laughs> but she said, I feel so bad for the wife, you know, and, and I feel so guilty. And and I remember after the meeting, they cried and just sat and talked to each other for like an hour. It's also an exchange of perspective, right? Yeah, yeah, so much so. And, and you know, like what you were saying before as well, where we're often just not taught or not given the opportunity in that facility to be able to talk openly. And that's no one's fault. Often with parenting, uh, it's a generational thing where they haven't been taught about this area. It's not so. This is a societal thing, but again, it comes back to okay. Well, how do we navigate around that and find ways, you know, to connect more and to allow ourselves to show vulnerability? I think the other point you made, which um, I think I had read something about you talking about as well when you were saying about when you're in a public space and it's uncomfortable. Our natural tendency is let's avoid. Let's you know, I want to be alone when we do actually go and make the effort, we feel better. And I think I'd read you talking about um, how important it is that we do things that are uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, can you tell me a bit more about that? Because I, I, I think that's so important. And I, I think more important than ever in this day and age, because we all now have everything available at our fingertips and we just want quick fix. We want everything to happen right now. We don't want to have to really, you know, work for it or earn it or necessarily be uncomfortable to get it. But often being uncomfortable is where the big life lessons happen and where we grow. Yeah. I mean, I think fear is amazing, right? I mean, fear is amazing. It keeps us safe from a lot of things. A lot of days I'm very grateful for fear. The issue with fear is what do people say fear is? It's like false expectations appearing real. Mm. Is that in the same token, fear, this wall of fear can also prevent us from accomplishing or doing or discovering things about ourselves. So on this other wall of fear, there's like this immense growth that most people are just too scared to try. I mean, I'll never forget Cosmo magazine called me when I quit Bachelor and they were like, We're gonna we want to run an article about a former bachelor producer that's starting a support group and I was like, uh, okay, I, it's, I haven't done it yet. And they're like, that's okay. We're just gonna write it. And I was, I had so much anxiety, you know, as a perfectionist, as someone, you mm. know, that probably seeks validation from external factors. And, and they wrote that article and I was like, wow, I never thought I'd be in Cosmo magazine. It was always a dream. But now after the meeting, I remember waking up the first day and I was like, why did I do this? I didn't have to do this. Like I brought this all upon myself. I like everyone in my life is going to say, how did it go? How many people showed up? Was it successful? <laughs> Just because of this stupid article. Yeah. Yeah. And which is actually in retrospect, such a great article and I'm so grateful for it. But I remember after the first meeting, I felt so overwhelmed because it went so well. I'll never forget a person struggling with addiction walked up to me. And they said, you know, I go to AA and they're helping me not drive to the liquor store and binge, but they're not helping me fix the reason why I'm drinking. And all of a sudden I was like, mm. I was so overwhelmed. Mm. I was like, this is my purpose. I have to do this for the rest of my life. I, I can't not 
do this. And I remember yeah. looking up to the sky, almost like wishing that it was going to fail just so I could be like, Hey God, see, like I tried to be a good person. <laughs> it didn't work out, but it did. And so, and so for those reasons, it's so great to be uncomfortable because number one, who cares? Who cares? Mm -hmm. my, my mom is a very tough woman. And like you were saying, like our parents weren't taught a lot of things and we're going to family therapy on our own now. And you know, we're working through things. So, but one thing my mom really did instill in me is, um, she would always say, so what? Yeah. And I always thought it was so cold and like mean of her to say, and now that I'm like growing up, I'm like, you know, maybe she was onto something. We're, we're always thinking that we have the worst situation that like, why me? Why did this have to happen to me? Everyone else's life is so much better. And I would just reverse it and just say, why not you? Like, welcome to the human race. We're all dealing with stuff. This year has been terrible for almost everybody I know, <laughs> except maybe exactly. Jeff Bezos. I don't know. <laughs> like the owner of Amazon. <laughs> I don't like, why not us? You know? So, so yeah, I think it's great to be uncomfortable. And when fear starts talking back to you and trying to convince you not to do something, just say, so what? Exactly. Why not us? Reminding ourselves that ourselves, there's no such thing as perfect things we can't control how things are going to go and also not having to have not caring about what the outcome is not not relying on it. It's, it it's okay you know life's short try things if things don't work it's not the end of the world we can always find a way through so it's just lowering the expectation just putting yourself out there and not not caring not caring if we're doing better than the other person or you can't compare two lives anyway everyone's life is so different and we have so many different experiences so yeah, so many things you, you're mentioning here that um, <laughs> I want to talk about, but um, probably we'll have to record some more episodes with you on this. Um, oh, you're but, so kind. <laughs> but yeah, I think as well what you said before about a lot of the time, uh, it when it comes to mental well-being, it's about okay, let's deal with it, let's quickly you know find that quick fix rather than looking at hang on, why don't we take a step backwards and find what is the root cause here? Why are you behaving like that? Why are these things happening? And in this realm, that's a really, or in society, that's a really big problem. There's a lot of awareness yeah. about it now. There's a lot yeah. of uh, reactive measures in place, which right. that's important. We need to have that. But what we don't have anywhere near enough of are preventative sort of services there or preventative measures in how do I actually go and, you know, get to the root cause of this? How do I start to do things that even when I'm not necessarily struggling or, in that hole that I can be doing so that when things do start to get hard, I can lean on those uh, right. to, to help me, you know, get through whatever it is that life throws at me because life's always going to be up and down. We're always going to have, you know, different right. challenges. So just another really important point that you've made. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, sounds like you've continually, you know, reinvented yourself. You've gone and uh, moved to LA. You You got into... TV production, worked at, at Ellen, you know, I'd love to know as well what what you learnt being on that. I'm sure there were a lot of learnings. You know, you've had this career in producing, you've been very successful working, producing the, the Bachelor, the Bachelorette. I mean, that would be pretty tough to sort of then go from there and reinvent and say, no, I want to get uh, in front of the camera now and take that risk. Yeah. And I'm sure you probably had a lot of people um, at the time saying to you, don't be crazy, you know, do you know how lucky you are to be in this position? You can't throw mm -hmm. that away. And right. that can really, that can be so tough. It can almost sometimes be a burden having 
a level of success in a field when you want to, uh, you know, try something different because we get stuck and we get the fear comes back. Right. How tough has that, that been for you? And I'm sure there are a lot of lessons you've, you've learned by, by doing that. Yeah. I mean, when I, I'll never forget, I, I wanted to be the next Juliana Rancic and she was a presenter on E network. Um, if you don't know who she is back when I was leaving college. And so, um, when I got the job at Ellen, I, I just needed something to get me to LA, something that would pay me a little bit of money. Yeah. I applied as an intern, which I tell people all the time and everyone, even my parents were like, no, go get a job. You just spent all this money on college. Like you're, you can get a job now. And I was like, no, well, I want a foot in the door. Mm. So I don't care. I let, sort of let my ego behind. Like I can go be an intern, even though I interned in college like 10 times. So it got me a foot in the door. And when I got there and they hired me within a month because I was like the first there, the last to leave. Um, I was like, yay, I can stay in LA now. I have a job, you know, I, I have money so I can stay here. But it's important to not lose sight of what your ultimate dream is. It's important to not get comfortable. And so one day on my lunch break, I, I drove over to E and I handed them my resume and I got an offer um, a month after that. I got a call from someone that was like, oh, we got your resume from HR. Um, and they offered me a three month job to work at E for the award season, like the Oscars, the Grammys, the SAGs, and the Golden Globe Awards. That was the hardest decision of my life at the time. I was like, well, I just got this job at Ellen and it's the Ellen show. It's the number one daytime talk show. But then I sat with myself and I was like, but what, what is that going to do? Mm. What, what is my trajectory here? Mm. I, my dream isn't to work on a talk show. So I jumped. And so I went and worked at E and I was Ryan Seacrest's production assistant and I was on the carpet and it was a dream. And then after the Oscars, I was unemployed and I was like, what do I do now? And so it's every time I've jumped, even on bachelor, everyone's like, what are you doing? Like, this is ABC's number one primetime show. <laughs> You're mm, making a lot mm. of money for a 27 year old. And I said, yes, mm. but what is my trajectory? I don't want to be mm. executive producer of The Bachelor one day. If I wanted to, then it would make sense for me to stay here. And I think it's important to also make note that it's extremely, extremely important to stay in line with your meaning. And mm. it's extremely mm. important to remember that your meaning can change. So lucky for me, mine didn't. I still wanted to pursue a career on camera. And when I say on camera, I feel like it sounds very materialistic. I, I really wanted to just interview people. I love people. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I wanted to do um, on a big scale, you know, like Oprah or David Letterman does. You know, I whatever job you're in, you can make your own. While I was at The Bachelor, there are different positions. And I was like, I want the one where I'm interviewing cast because I can use that skill later on. So mm. even if you're, you're listening and you're in the job that you don't want, you can still be getting stuff out of it that'll take you to the job that you do want. And so, yeah, when I left, I jumped. It was terrifying. It was scary. I was unemployed. It was, I got heartbroken. It was the worst year of my life. But then I started Heartbroken Anonymous. I don't make any money on it. It brings me the most fulfillment. It's, I never thought my shitty love life would be a part of my brand. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. It's my purpose. And that would have never happened if I was still working there. And so I think it's important to stay in line with your meaning. Don't because because there's an opposite side of that. Nick, there's people that say, oh, I want to be I wanted to be a doctor since I was three. And then they get to college and they don't want to be a doctor anymore, but they still try and be a doctor because they're like, oh, well, that was my dream. That's that's what I want to be. And mm -hmm. so that's what I mean by mm -hmm. it's important to stay in line with your meaning. It's OK if your dream changes. 
It doesn't matter how old you are. You can start doing something new tomorrow. Mental health and well-being are real issues in the construction industry. Men in construction are twice as likely to take their own life compared to the ones who work in other industries. And that's just not good enough. With John Holland's help, we want to make a change. We've joined together to have honest conversations about mental health, life, and stories of people who have overcome challenges. When we hear about stories and struggles that sound a bit like ours, we can learn from each other and remember that we're not alone. As long as we are reminding ourselves what we're working towards, we might not be in the you know, in that straight line trajectory towards it, but you can, like you said, find uh, skill sets and find, you know, learn lessons in whatever you're currently doing that are going to apply to the longer term thing. The The problem becomes when you get stuck in something that you know in your gut, and I think our gut always tells us, you know, what the answer is. We know when your gut's telling I you something. I love that. Doesn't... Yeah, so true. It knows. And, and when we yeah. ignore that, that's when we that's when we really, you know, that's when we get anxiety. That's when we start to have these, these breakdowns because we're going against our intuition and what we really want and you can feel it. So you've got to really be able to listen to that. Um, but use these lessons to, to move towards where we want to go. And on the other extreme, be, make sure that it's having enough self-awareness and really being honest enough with yourself uh, about your goals and what you are trying to achieve and why you want to do it. Because I've, I've met so many people and I guess there's probably so many people out there that have a goal where it's about trying to achieve something more so to validate themselves, whether it's, I just need to make X amount of money. So then I'm going to be worthwhile and you kill yourself trying to get there. And then they might eventually get there. You achieve that goal. You've got all this money. Then you realize, hang on, I still don't, I still feel empty. That hasn't fix my problems. Okay. Now I'm, I need to make more. And it's basically a recipe to never be happy. If you want to be unhappy forever, then, you know, attach your entire self-worth to something external. Um, that doesn't have that meaning to you. And that's, that's a good way to do it. So it's like, it's a very fine balancing act about being ambitious, but finding, you know, the right way to navigate it and just being honest with yourself, checking in. And why, why am I being ambitious? What is the purpose behind this? Is it because I want people to think I'm successful or because you actually want to use, you know, whatever it is you were born with to try and help people. There's this, um, free online course at Yale that is the best class I've ever taken in my life. And I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called the science of well-being. Yeah. I have heard of that. Yeah. It's a free class. Uh, if you're listening, it's the most life altering class you can take because it's exactly what you just said, Nick. It's scientific proof that that big house or that cool car or whatever they like to call it awesome stuff doesn't bring you happiness. The things that bring you happiness are meditating, shutting your brain off for a little, like sitting with yourself, getting eight hours of sleep, doing something nice for someone else, kindness, social connection, being around Mm -hmm. someone that makes you feel like you're at home. Mm -hmm. All of those things are actually what make you happy. Exercising 30 minutes a day, just moving your body, not like a job or getting the salary. Yeah. It's a, it's a hamster wheel. And at the end of the year, everyone wants a raise. Everyone wants to make Mm. more than their colleagues. And it's like, at what, at what expense? Like, what do you care what someone else is making? <laughs> you know? And where, where does this end? When when do I get, it's like, okay, you know, great. I have to keep doing this. When when can I just enjoy life? When can I, I think the most important thing I've ever, that I always revert back to that I heard is just fall in love with the process. Whatever you're yeah. doing, if you love the process, 
then you can't go too wrong. You know, it's great right. if other things happen, but it's like what you're saying. Yes, we want to have meaning in our careers and be chasing these things we care about. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what the end result is. It's about what am I doing every day that makes me feel good? Like you said, right. you know, I, meditation. This is a point I wanted to ask you. What do you do you have daily things that you personally do? This is something I try and ask most of our guests, you know, yeah, that we can yeah. share with the listeners. Do you have daily things you do that make you feel good that um, keep you grounded and keep you in line? Yeah. So one thing that has been, honestly, it's like the greatest gift of advice I can ever give that people don't take seriously and don't understand can actually change your life is getting eight hours of sleep every night. Yeah. It is day and night. So basically what I do is an hour before I go to bed, I charge my phone away from my bed in another room. I don't look at my phone. I don't look at social media an hour before I go to bed. Um, 11 to seven are my hours. I go to bed at 11. I wake up at seven. I get eight hours of sleep. And for the first hour of my day, I don't look at my phone either. Mm. So, um, I have a friend who also has a podcast that you would like, um, but he was telling me how he described it as opening your phone right when you wake up in the morning is the equivalent to waking up in your bed to 15 of your friends just hanging around your bed. <laughs> that is the energy you're intaking when you look at, when you open your phone right away and you go on mm. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is. Mm. And to me, a great way to start off the day is through meditation and through getting rid of that anticipatory anxiety. Don't look at your phone, like make some coffee, sit with yourself meditate, whatever it is. I do Deepak Chopra's 21 days of abundance. That's my favorite. He's great. Yeah. I love his voice. It's just, <laughs> it's the best. Um, but yeah, and it, I am such a happier person one because I slept well and my cognitive skills are working and they're, they're great and I'm not cranky. And two, because I didn't decide to bombard my mind and my heart with a million different pieces of information right away. Yeah, it's such an important thing, and I think it's um something that we just we neglect. And we we actually had a sleep expert come on the podcast, and it's pretty. Oh wow! It was amazing the stuff that we learned, and similar things that what you're talking about here. And uh, you know, it it is critical, and it's so correlated with our mental well being and everything else. So we really do need to be conscious about that, and and doing things like you know, where it's pretty pretty hard now to switch off for that hour before bed when we're lying. You know, we've got normally Netflix playing, uh, yeah. checking phone messages. Like it's sort of, it really now is about discipline because we can't get away from these, you know, devices. We can't get away from technology. Right. How do I discipline myself to just manage it and make sure that I have rules around it? Right. Take the control back. Like your phone should not control you. You should control your phone use. And so, uh, yeah, social media and phone addiction is a very real thing that I don't think our generation takes seriously. It is it is an actual addiction. If you are not near your phone and you're feeling antsy or anxiety, or you feel like you need to check it, that is, that's an addiction. Absolutely. So yeah, I think you, you will honestly be so much happier. And if you're like, well, I use my phone as my alarm clock. I would, mm -hmm. I use my Google home or I highly recommend going on Amazon. This is what my friend Tommy says, who started the brick company you know, go on Amazon and order an analog alarm clock. I, I'm telling you, it'll make a world of difference. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to the basics. What do you do, alarm. Nick? What, what's your like morning ritual? Probably, you know, if I'm going to be really honest, I'm getting better with the sleep. That's probably the thing I still need to improve on the most. I 
don't have a regular enough time that I go to bed and I find I just find being up at night so relaxing so often it's the only time when I feel like okay I can just you know there's nothing to do here just I I love watching film and you know so I'm watching different films and I get caught up in them and I'm often up pretty early so I'm getting better now trying to make sure I'm more regimented with sleep but Apart from that, I, I get up, I meditate for 20 minutes. I've been doing um, like Vedic transcendental meditation for about eight years now. Oh, wow. Um, so I do do that. I write in a gratitude journal I, and then I exercise, exercise every day. Um, that's probably the biggest thing for me. Just I find movement. I come from a, um, I used to play competitive sport and I've just always been into into fitness and different forms of training. So that's, I just find it profound really how much just movement of any form can help with yeah. just getting clarity and energizing ourselves. So they're, they're the key things in the morning. And then I will try and do another meditation in the afternoon, which I normally do. But, you know, if I get caught up in the what's happening during the day, sometimes I miss that one. But that's right. that's pretty much what I try and do. And then right. just, you know, checking in with people. I've, I'm pretty lucky that I've got close friends that I can, you know, be vulnerable with and get that from them as well. And having that facility there and really yeah. always, even if it's, you know, very quick, just checking in and making, you know, having that conversation, I think helps dramatically similar to what, what you're, you know, talking about and doing with all of your initiatives. I think it's, it's so yeah. important. We all have that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You say that it's great that you have friends to check in with because in America, I can only speak for here, but uh, toxic masculinity is a very real thing. I'm sure it's worldwide, but Mm, a lot a, of yeah, men, big here as well. Yeah. Massive. Wow. A yep. lot of men have come to meeting to heartbroken anonymous meetings and it's so great for two different ways. It shows the women in the meeting that men have feelings and it gives men an outlet because I don't know. It's kind of crazy to think people assume that they just don't have feelings and a lot mm. of men don't have places to go when they do feel a certain way. I, I'll never forget someone came a guy came to a meeting and he told me you know i just broke up with this girl i'm devastated but all my friends were like you're gonna save so much money now she was crazy bro like that's great and he's like no i'm actually heartbroken over this <laughs> like i'm so a human i've imagine. got feelings here yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. it's i i think it's great that you have people and a support system that you can go to i think that's very lucky well it's a crazy thing like you're saying i mean in society in the past we've been taught that men have been taught that it's you know not manly to express emotion and it's weak to show vulnerability and it couldn't be the it couldn't be more opposite it takes so much courage to be vulnerable and it's just insane that anyone could think that whether you're a male or a female we're a human being and we feel things and it's cut and dry, you know, it's like, we're all going to feel things and we need to express that. We need to be able to talk about it. We need to be able to, you know, share in that and seek support. No one can deal with everything on their own. And I think just talking about things is, is so important because that normally leads to, you know, some sort of action being taken in, in dealing with it. Right. Yeah. And if I've been doing heartbroken anonymous now, I was doing them every week. Now I'm doing them twice a month and they're on zoom. So Mm. because they're on zoom now it is international. So if you are listening and you don't have somewhere to go, you know, you can go to heartbrokenanonymous.com. And we had someone from Mumbai in a meeting. Yeah. Last two weeks ago. So, um, 
So yeah, luckily there is a place to go. That's <laughs> you know, it's heartbroken yeah. anonymous, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's still important to create those circles around us. And, and loneliness is very much an epidemic. People don't talk about it. Like, I know we're in a pandemic right now, but mm. the UK administered a minister of loneliness, I think in 2016, most people, one in four people in the United States live alone. Like nobody lived alone. That's like, a, like back in the day, like mm. that's like a new century thing, you know? So yeah. um, lonely and all of our heartbreak is masked by loneliness. So, you know, we're traditionally conditioned to be in packs and in a tribe and it's, um, it is, it's not, it's not natural for us to be completely alone all the time. And that's something that is going to be a real issue coming out of this pandemic, the amount of time people yeah. are alone. But again, I think that's incredible that you've been able to, um, react so quickly and, you know, take the, uh, broken heart anonymous is that broken heart, heartbroken anonymous online um, mm -hmm. and make it now accessible on a global scale. And as you said, we'll, we'll put links and um, to, to it in, in the show notes and promote it as well. Cause I'd love to be able to help as many people as we can yeah. find out about your resource, start using it. People, oh, hopefully people in Australia can jump on and you can have some yeah, more people. On, yeah. On it's Zoom. so cool. And when things go back to normal, I think I'll definitely still do one meeting a month on zoom um, for that reason, I was doing pop-ups in different States. Um, but yeah, it's exactly what you said, Nick. And then so many mm. people, like when you think of how we were back in the day, when we evolved as a species, it's exactly what you're saying the packs, but a lot of people think that we evolved as a species because we were faster, we got stronger, whatever it is physical, which is actually false. So we evolved as a species because we could talk to each other and be around each other so we could plan and we can organize. Like, how do we get this lion <laughs> for dinner? Yeah, like it was yeah. all, that is how we've been conditioned to be. So yeah, human connection is a, is a very real thing. Um, and heartbreak is also a very real thing. You can die from it. You know, it's called broken heart Absolutely. syndrome. So. So please take it seriously. It's very important to surround yourself with people, um, whether they're strangers or whether they're actual friends and family. More so than ever. And where the world's moving, you know, it's this weird mix of we're more connected than ever now, but we're also more alone than ever. We can use these mediums for incredibly positive things. And like you've just talked about, that's a way to take this program that you've created to the world. But we've got to be very careful that we're not we are connecting enough when we are getting what we need. We're not just allowing technology to take us away from, you know, our fundamental needs. It's so it's always a balancing act, isn't it? Um, yeah. Another thing I was going to ask you is, uh, do you, do you get nervous with the work you're doing? I know for me, I, I used to be so shy and so I, I struggled with uh, public speaking and, I mean, it's something I've now made a career out of. And the same with the acting. I was terrified and I still to this day, you know, I'll get nervous before an audition or whatever it is coming up. I've seen, right. you know, you've, you've interviewed, I was looking up some of your interviews. I mean, you've interviewed <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> pretty, well, I was, I mean, I, I was a bit, I, I'd be starstruck. I was pretty impressed. You know, Kevin yeah. Hart, Paul Rudd, I saw Samuel Jackson. Do you get yeah. nervous before these interviews? That would be, I would be, I'd be terrified. Well, first of all, kudos to you. And I hope you're really proud of yourself for like being shy and working through that. And the fact that you like are pushing through like your fear to like make your dreams a reality is so admirable. So that's amazing. Thank um, you. What's interesting, my situation is really weird and interesting. 
So I, at the core, like who I am as Naz Perez, I'm a pretty fearless person, but because I am a perfectionist, um, and I have this disease in my head, if I say something wrong, or I ask a question out of order, or I pronounce someone's name wrong, or I forget my next question, I am so hard on myself. I will mm -hmm. leave. I, I've gotten so much better, but I would leave interviews crying, you know, just thinking like, I know I could do better. I know I could do better. Yeah, I really, yeah. really beat myself up. And it's, it's so unhealthy. And, and if anyone can relate to this, perfectionism is a very real thing. Mm. Um, it causes a lot of anxiety. And, and the way I've sort of tried to ease that is to um, remember that it's about progress, not perfection, allowing mm. myself to be a beginner. You know, I, I think a lot of it comes from comparing myself that have been in mm. people, people who've been in the game so long, whether you have a podcast mm -hmm. or you're a host or a producer, you're like, I want to be like this person and they've been doing it forever. And so my yeah. issue is, is I'll go into an interview expecting it, me to be that person or at the level that that person is. I'm not even allowing myself to be a beginner and to learn. And so progress over perfection. And I told myself in my head, like strive for a 93 not in a hundred percent. And that number is like helped me so much. Cause I'm like, okay, I can still be an A student. I can still have a great interview, even if yeah. I forget something. And honestly, forgetting something makes you more relatable and makes you more of a human in yourself anyway. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I mean, I, I relate to that so much. And I think so many people do where, uh, you're trying to start something. I mean, I even felt it I haven't even uh, at this point of talking to you, we haven't even launched this podcast yet, but <laughs> one, I started thinking about podcasts and I got overwhelmed. I was looking at how many there are out there and I was thinking all these people that are successful and there's so many people doing it. Why even bother doing it, Nick? Because how are you going to get your message out there and compete? And then, right. and I've done that in, in the acting, you look at all these actors that are, you know, so much more accomplished and you're starting, you know, when I was starting at point zero. Right. You get overwhelmed. And when you go down that path, it actually takes all the joy and fun out of doing it. And I had to just. A hundred percent. It's like, then I was like, this is my dream job and I'm ruining it. I'm sabotaging it. I'm not even having fun exactly. at this thing that I wanted the most. And to that, I, it's like all full circle. I'll go back to the very beginning where it's mm. like, well, why am I doing this? Why was it my dream? Because I wanted people to comment like this girl's so great. <laughs> or because I genuinely want to know about Paul Rudd and like filmmaking and, and how his time was on the movie, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I, I have to remind myself that all the time and it's really tricky. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've moved myself over to North America and lots of auditions over there and it's new and I'm having to do the American accent and I've never auditioned that much. And, you know, I'm managing the other parts of my life. And then you're thinking, why is this not happening? I, you know, why is it not progressing quicker? I'm getting older. When's it going to happen? And then I have yeah. to keep going back to think, hang on, I'm actually proud of myself that I'm over here pushing, trying to achieve. Yeah. This you're, thing you're in the room. Like you're I doing do. it. Yeah. And more importantly, then I think back and think, you know, and it's because you get caught up in, it just t does take the joy out of it when there's all that pressure. And then I remind myself when I was first doing acting classes and just purely in class, wasn't auditioning. I was just going, you know, a couple of nights a week to do these classes I got so much joy out of it and I Aww. had to push myself out of my comfort zone. It was just this amazing feeling. And then I remind myself, that's why I'm doing it. It doesn't matter whether, you know, what the outcome is. Hopefully that happens, but it doesn't matter. It's about just reminding ourselves why we actually want to do what we're doing, what we enjoy out of it, which it's right. so hard to 
um, maintain that in you know in in such a sort of fast paced competitive world that we live in. Yeah, and it's it's almost ironic that we're just dying to have it right away because it's so because of I learned this in the Yale course because of hedonic adaptation where it's like our brains just get used to things and then it's not cool anymore and we get bored of them. So really mm, it's like, mm. have fun with the journey. That's the really fun part, like trying to get there. Exactly. You know? Cause once you're there, you're like, okay. <laughs> you're like, okay, what do I do now? You know, what's, what's next? next? Yeah. How do I, how do I outdo myself now? And it's, it's sick. It's sick. You know? And, you know, all of these people that we're often comparing ourselves that have achieved at a high level, what we forget is exactly what you said before. They they didn't, you know, do it for three months and then um, just crack this huge success. And maybe maybe once in one in a million people do, but, you know, right. traditionally they've they've probably done something for 10 years and they've gone through all the hardships and we end up seeing just the outcome of all of that. A hundred percent. Like everyone that's an overnight success minus like, you know, these kids singing on YouTube probably. (laughs) (laughs) Like, but even them, like, you know, Bieber, like any, everyone's been at it for at least 10 years. Every overnight success has been at it for at least seven to 10 years. It takes time. And and I think where people are becoming more impatient and wanting everything now and you really, you know, the, the thing people need to remind themselves is we're just disservicing ourselves if we're not going to allow ourselves to just really, if we do want something, just evolve, just take the time to, you know, enjoy the process and actually stick at it. If we just keep chopping and changing and doing things for the wrong reason, you end up taking the experience and the opportunity away from yourselves to really, you know, do that Um pursuit on the level you want to that's just you, right. you, it's not possible yeah um so yeah i guess um i i mean we've covered so many things yeah you know, I, I think there's so many things people can you know take out of this this interview and you know things like just focusing on the journey uh really looking looking within connecting with other people doing these daily habits looking at what are some things we can do you know daily to to look after ourselves and find, you know, find the joy in those, in those daily things. Um, I guess just as a final couple of questions with um, yeah. this whole coronavirus situation, um, I guess in, in life as well, it's a huge thing, you know, how, how do you find uncertainty? I mean, it's such a tough thing to deal with. It's something the world's facing now. Um, does that, have you got ways that you manage uncertainty in life and especially in this situation? Yeah. So when it comes to uncertainty, let me think about this. It's like, we're very, we're pretty resilient when it comes to just being a human. We're actually more resilient than we think we are. I don't Do you think that Nick? Oh, absolutely. I think the, I think people can handle so much more than we realize and it's not until we're put in an extreme situation that we we prove that to ourselves and people humans adapt you know we we think we can't handle things if you put someone in an extreme situation we will go into fight or or flight mode and we'll adapt we'll adjust we'll you know survival mode kicks in we can it's an important thing to remind ourselves we can handle so so much more than we realize we can yeah, I actually just remembered there was this study um, 
another study that I learned in this Yale course. I'm like shouting out this Yale course. I feel like I should get commission off of I'm it. I'm gonna go. I, <laughs> I know. I'm gonna right? go go have a look at this after. Honestly, yeah. I mean, it's free. It's it's a yeah. wealth of knowledge. But Eastwick and colleagues in 2008, they did this study on people that were going through a horrible breakup, and it. And it turns out that our predictions on levels of intensity and duration of distress that we feel is actually way off. It's like mm -hmm. not good. And there's um, this man named Dan Gilbert. He's the author of Stumbling on Happiness. He came up with this term called impact bias. I don't know if you know about this, but basically it means that we overestimate the emotional impact of a future event by its intensity and its duration. And it turns out that what people predict was actually a lot worse than how it actually ended up feeling. Like you're way happier than you expect, even like with this negative event. So I think that's what I mean by like, we're resilient and we are, our brains are actually feeding us incorrect information. Like feelings aren't facts. They're, they're more, I think of them more as like alarms, you know? So when I feel yeah. something, I'm like, okay, what does this mean about how I actually feel? But we, yeah. we mispredict all the time. We think that everything's going to be the end of the world. And I don't know. It's like if I, one of the, one of the craziest things that could ever happen to me would probably be me losing my parents. Like when I think about that, I'm like, I literally think, how would I go on? How would I go on? Yet I have so many people in my life that have lived their parents or lost yeah. their parents and they, and they yeah. have gone on. So yeah. I think that's sort of how I tackle uncertainty is, is with science. Like we, we actually are pretty freaking resilient and we anticipate things to be a lot worse than they actually turn out to be. Yeah. And, you know, we, we can use our imagination to, you know, project all these different things that are going to go wrong and how things are going to be negative rather than just going and, you know, waiting to deal with the situations that comes. And we, we will always find a way to get through it. It's often the anticipation is much worse than the actual event itself a lot of the right. time. Right, so then we're creating like two bad events. Yeah, <laughs> we're we don't worried need the about first something one. that hasn't even happened yet. Exactly. It's like there you know good and bad things will happen in life, but in the lead up let's not make it harder for ourselves, you know. It's it, it, it is um unnecessary when when you think about it. Yeah. So it's it is easier it is easier said than done though because my boss has tried to call me a couple of times and i'm always like this mm. is it like i'm losing my job in the pandemic today like <laughs> i'm like this no. is the call so i i do want to preface or be full transparency <laughs> that it is easier said than done you know i think, I think yeah. yeah it's such a good point it's sort of and you know I, I talk about a lot of this stuff but i struggle you know daily and i'm always questioning things and overthinking things and then it's I'm just trying to bring myself back and then remind myself in those moments, no, you know, this is your mind doing this, bring yourself back and have that self-awareness. But right. not, we're all, we're all susceptible to it. We're, we can all get caught up in it. Yeah. We, oh, we talk about this because we struggle with it. That's like literally uh, why absolutely. you have this podcast. Yeah. hundred percent. This is just about being able to share, hopefully things that are pretty universal that we, you know, that we think about and just talking about ways that we can share in that experience and hopefully find ways to manage it. I mean, it's like what we talked about. There's no, um, there's no solution. There's no one-stop solution to, to anything. Uh, but if we can educate ourselves and be aware of all of the different uh, resources that are out there, we can hopefully start navigating and finding things that can, that can help us. Yeah. I love it. So true. Uh, so, just to before we finish up, um, I, I mean, 
what where can we where can we send people we've obviously to uh broken hearts anonymous is there anywhere else that if they want to look you up what you're doing yeah where can yeah. we send them and i'll put links as well um yeah totally so yeah if you guys are interested in coming to a heartbroken anonymous meeting you can go to heartbrokenanonymous.com um there's going to be two meetings up every month and you can sign up there they actually fill up really quickly and signups go up the sunday night before the week of that meeting the meetings are always on thursdays signups are on sundays so yeah heartbrokenanonymous.com also i'm on instagram at naz perez so that's at n a z p e r e z or at nazperez.com great and yeah we'll have yeah. links to to send them to um I just finish up every interview with that. We've got just five quick questions and these can just be sort of one line, whatever first comes to mind or, you know, whatever you think of. Um, but yeah, these are just final questions to finish up with. So the first yeah. one, um, what's your best childhood memory? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Ooh, that's such a good one. Um, so I'm from Florida. Uh, so it's really hot there all year round. And um, my dad had like, I don't, it's such a silly little thing, but playing in the sprinklers, like my dad, I just always remember this like sort of long sprinkler and it had like all the water shooting out and it would just go like this <laughs> and I would jump through it and it would just bring me so much joy. And I try and think back to that memory a lot because I'm like, wow, it really doesn't take much to be happy. It was like, this, <laughs> it was this water. <laughs> I love that. I love coming that. Coming out and of a sprinkler, you know? I know, but that's that's what's so great about kids. It's just a simple joy in, you know, everyday things. I, I remember doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, why don't we do that anymore? It's so weird. Like, why do we grow up and just like give those things up? They're so fun. Seriously. And yeah. and I'm sure if we did go and, you know, make ourselves do them, we would enjoy them. You know, right. if you go and just let yourself, it's just letting yourself go. Not, you know, it's t turning your mind off for a bit and just letting yourself enjoy the simple things. But right. we need to. I'm going to go run around in a sprinkler. After this. It's like, <laughs> okay, I want like, <laughs> I, you have to post it on Instagram or it didn't happen. Yeah, I, yeah, sure, no problem. It's the middle of <laughs> it's the middle of winter here, but I'll I'll go and try and do it. I'm sure yeah, there's a sprinkler in the backyard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> why not? Okay. Um, what do you what do you feel like is uh, currently the biggest burden on mental health in society? Um, the biggest burden on mental health in society, social or media, one of. social yeah. media and phone use. Yeah, yeah, I, I would yeah. I would agree. Um, where do you see mental health heading in the next decade? Do you see things, uh, from a awareness education perspective improving? Do you see things declining because of all the other trends that are happening? Where, where do you sort of see things going? I think there's going to be, I'm already seeing changes. I live in Los Angeles and, um, you know, our mayor is already cutting budgets from, you know, the LAPD, the police force. And they're instilling different committees and teams to respond to different things that people call emergency phone numbers for. So, you know, if you're having an issue or there's a dispute or I think, I don't want to speak, I don't know, actually I have to read more on what's going down, but it seems as though, you know, if there's a dispute between you and another person, maybe if you're in an abusive relationship, like now there's going to be counselors and stuff mm. going. So I, I do believe that this whole Black Lives Matter movement has been just incredible. Um, and, and we have such a long way to go. 
you know, around the world. But I am, I feel like we're already starting to see some things like that happen, which make me really hopeful when it comes to how society takes or views mental health. Yeah, 100%. Um, two more here. Uh, what would you say is your personal definition of happiness? Hmm, that's a good question. So I have like two feelings that describe happy, my personal happiness for me. One, I'm very OCD. So one is when I do laundry and I wash my sheets, my towels, and my pajamas, and I take a shower and then get into clean pajamas and clean sheets. (laughs) (laughs) That to me is like the happiest feeling ever. Or um, eating seafood with a loved one like near the ocean and like oldies playing. Like that's happiness to me, but old, but meaning ultimate happiness is living in the moment, not worried about yesterday, not worried about Mm -hmm. tomorrow, just enjoying either my pajamas or the person I'm hanging out with on the beach. Wearing pajamas. I mean, that's happiness. (laughs) So final one, what's the most courageous thing you've ever done? Ooh, I'm sure there's a few. That's a good question. I don't know. I feel weird answering that because I feel like I don't want to describe myself as courageous. Like I I would think that's something that somebody would say of me. Like, oh, that was. I'll I'll describe you as courageous. (laughs) I've only known you for a bit over an hour, but I've read a lot about you and I feel like I've learned a lot and you seem very courageous. So Um, Uh, I don't know. Can you curse on this? You can. I don't. I think I've just said fuck everyone a lot of the time. I think we let a lot of voices and people determine the decisions in life that we make, whether it's somebody we date, the type of job we have, where we live, you know, where we go to college. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our parents want to weigh in on that. And I think often in life, whenever I get to that place, I'm like, F everyone, what do I want to do? And I think that's been the most courageous or probably one of the hardest things I've had to do is is not listen to everyone <laughs> and listen and listen to myself. I really love that answer and it's one of the hardest things to do in, you know, the world we live in and I think that is a way to, you know, if you can do that effectively, that's a really good way to to be happy because you are then just being true to yourself. So I think that's a really great answer and uh, a good way to finish this this chat. So I, I look I really really appreciate you making the time to to talk to me today. I, I've really enjoyed learning about you and hearing all your different insights and, and what you're doing. And uh, I, yeah, just very much appreciate it. So thank you so much. Oh my much God. For, well, for it this. goes both ways. You did, first of all, you're so good. I'm like so excited for your podcast. It means a lot to me that you even reached out and that you're willing to share, you know, my story to, to, to your audience. It's like so nice and generous of you. So yeah, you, that was, I had so much fun I will come back whenever. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Speak to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. This episode of Move Your Mind was produced and edited by Tim Buzard. We'd like to thank John Holland for proudly sponsoring this episode. Thanks to Naz Perez for joining me today for Move Your Mind. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Move Your Mind. We're going to be releasing new episodes every week and we would love it if you could subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a comment, leave a star rating, recommend us to a friend and help support us on this journey. Join me, Nick Brax, in Mental Health Masterclass where you can access cinema quality essential mental health education from world leading experts anytime, anywhere. 
Each 12 to 15 minute module comes with comprehensive workbooks and a range of printable books with optional tasks, behavior change tools, information, and guidance to create healthy, preventative long-term habits. Go to courses.nickbrax.com to enroll, or simply go to nickbrax.com and click on the Mental Health Masterclass icon. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.